Hello and welcome to another episode of the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency. I would like to remind you all that we have just launched our print edition and I'd like to encourage you all to subscribe. You can do that by going to www.spectator.us forward slash subscribe uh, and there you can take advantage of our various offers. I'm joined today by Jacob Halbrun, who is Americano's most regular guest and editor of the National Interest, as well as a, a much appreciated contributor to Spectator USA. And we're going to be catching up on what's happening with the impeachment latest. Now, Jacob, I have been accused by a few people now of not taking the impeachment story seriously enough. We have done quite a lot on it on Spec US, I will say in my defence. But perhaps I haven't quite grasped the gravity of the threat that is facing Trump. We have had another day of hearings today. How is it unfolding, do you think? It's well, first of all, Freddie, I'm shocked that anyone would accuse you of of lacking gravity. Who who are these people? But um, you'd be surprised. Yeah, the hearings are not going well for President Trump. He intervened today in the form of holding a cabinet meeting and denounced Vindeman and Williams and others as people that he hardly knows, has never seen. He doesn't know what they're talking about. Ukraine felt no pressure. And For so all forth. listeners who aren't following, these are, these are people who, who have testified at the hearings. Right. It's Lieutenant Colonel Vindeman, mm. who is on the Trump National Security Council, and Jennifer Williams, who was posted from the State Department on Vice President Mike Pence's staff. And both of them are firsthand witnesses. So the Republican congressman cannot accuse them of peddling hearsay. They did hear the call. So this is not a devastating day for Trump, but I think he is sustaining bleeding. The Republicans are doing their best to try and knock the witnesses off their feet. But honestly, they just don't have that much to work with. So they're resorting to asking Vindeman questions such as, did he speak in Ukrainian when he was offered a post as as defense minister of Ukraine? And this is because Vindeman emigrated with his parents to the United States at the age of three and a half. So they're trying to raise the specter of dual loyalty. But Vindeman said that they spoke in English and that he regarded the offer as farcical, given that he's only a lieutenant colonel in the army. So what you're saying is a sort of bad tactic by the Republicans to try and suggest that he was sort of treacherous towards America. Right. I mean, it's the the old issue of dual loyalty. And it, it's when you have a lieutenant colonel sitting there in full dress uniform who has served in Iraq and was wounded, it starts to look quite extreme. And, uh, you know, Republicans are supposed to be pro-military. So... Trump has maneuvered them into a very odd position. Yes, well, I see quite a lot's being made of the fact that Vindman says his hero or heroine in life is Condoleezza Rice. No, that was that was Jennifer Williams who said that. Oh, that's Jennifer Williams who said that. But that, that's and, been played well, up. Well, she was trying to emphasize. She may even be a Republican herself. It's she's she's definitely both of them tried to betray their credentials as not being never Trumpers or having any antipathy toward the president. 
to be honest, Vindemann, Vindemann came across as fairly guileless, not a nefarious deep state operator plotting to undermine Trump. Sure. But I, I mean, so what he said is it's improper. Uh, the call was improper and unusual. And I mean, Trump is unusual. I think that's sort of a given. I, I don't. Are we being told? And he's pretty improper in the way he talks to people. Are, are we being told anything that devastating? I don't know if it's devastating. I think it's death by a thousand cuts. The only person that probably could deliver a devastating blow to Trump would be John Bolton, the former national security advisor. But, you know, you if you're being accused of not taking the impeachment hearing seriously, there is one sense in which your stance may be correct, which is that I'm increasingly convinced that the Republicans in the Senate will never vote to convict Trump, no matter how damaging the evidence may appear. So I think what the hearings are about is is raising the price tag for the Republican Party in the 2020 election, just both for Trump and for the senators who vote to acquit him, that if you can persuade enough independent voters that Trump really did deserve to be dislodged from office or committed heinous crimes, then you can wound the Republican Party politically. And the polling I saw yesterday suggested that the Democrats are on better ground than some people might think on this, and that a, a large percentage of, of people according to an Ipsos poll, I think it was a Maury poll, whatever it was, said uh, that firstly, they had been following the Ukraine story closely. Secondly, that they did think it seemed as though Trump should be, a majority said that Trump should be impeached and removed over the supposed quid pro quo. Right. I don't think those numbers are showing any market deterioration in Republican Party support in self-identified Republicans mm. continue to back Trump. And that's what he's relying on. That is probably enough to stave off being convicted because the senators and congressmen do not want a primary challenge from the right. They're more concerned about protecting their own seats than about getting to the bottom of what happened in Ukraine. And the truth is, we already do have a fairly clear idea of what Trump was up to. And the difficulty for the Republicans is that they are unable to defend directly what Trump has done. Even Devin Nunes, in his statement this morning, never said that Trump had behaved properly in Ukraine. Instead, he blamed the messenger. He spent almost 10 minutes fulminating about the perfidy of the American media. But it's not a defense of Donald Trump. No one is making that defense. But assuming that Senate Republicans don't turn on Trump, which does seem like a fairly safe bet at the moment, the question becomes, what is the political fallout from this? And as you say, the Republican, Republican support for him seems to be as strong as ever. And indeed, his job approval has been ticking up in recent days. I mean, I don't see how this hurts him, really, because his defence is always going to be the Democrats have wanted to impeach me from day one because they can't accept the fact that I won the 2016 election. And that remains true to a large number of people. Well, he's demonstrated weakness in both the Kentucky and Louisiana elections, where 
Democratic governors were elected in deep red states. So we know that Trump does not have coattails and is unable to push his candidates over the hump when it's an election, even in a red state. So that's a sign of Trump's political weakness. Then the question becomes, is he an albatross around the neck of the Republican Party heading into 2020? And my gut is that if these impeachment hearings continue on and continue to produce new information and revelations, they will wound the Republican Party and they will raise the cost of supporting Donald Trump. And the senators in swing states that do vote to acquit Trump may well pay a price at the ballot box in 2020, whether it's Susan Collins in Maine or Cory Gardner in Colorado. They will have to weigh their futures very carefully. The other thing that is possible is that the Republicans split in the Senate. While Trump is acquitted, he sees a number of Republican defections, Gardner and perhaps Mitt Romney and Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski. That too would damage him going into the 2020 election. The only reason he won in 2016 is that he was able to attract enough independent voters who viewed Hillary Clinton as damaged goods. Well, then, I mean, that slightly depends on who, for those independents, slightly depends on who the Democratic opponent is. Of course. And right now we, we, we have no idea. I still think that Biden will pull it out. He has landslide numbers in South Carolina. But Pete Buttigieg is coming on strong and Bloomberg, Michael Bloomberg has entered the race. So the Democratic race is far from settled, which may also make it difficult for Trump to focus on one candidate to bash away at in coming months. Ironically, the Democrats are wringing their hands about the number of candidates, but there are some scenarios in which it could play to their advantage. And I suppose the thinking behind or the Nancy Pelosi's thinking is that impeachment hurts Trump enough and binds together the Democrats enough to keep them strong going into 2020, regardless of what actually happens with the impeachment. I think Nancy Pelosi has proven to be a brilliant strategist who has outmaneuvered Trump and impeachment has succeeded already beyond her wildest dreams. Let's talk a little bit about Buttigieg, actually, because uh, I realize we're getting away from impeachment. But um, his poll numbers are quite striking, and there seems to be a bit of a, a movement behind him now. The big criticism you always hear is that he can't get, uh, I mean, he polls zero with black voters and that you can't win the Democratic nomination without having black voters, whereas Biden does extremely well with black voters. How realistic do you think it is that he will be a, be a serious challenger for the nomination? Well, if he was able to build enough momentum coming out of Iowa and New Hampshire, he would certainly be a formidable candidate. And it would be a severe challenge for Biden because Buttigieg fits with the Jimmy Carter model of a candidate coming from nowhere. He has he is untainted by Washington, D.C., since he's never been a politician here or served in any capacity in the nation's capital. American voters like that. The other plus he has is that he's young and dynamic, which is a stark contrast with Donald Trump, who just headed to Walter Reed Hospital on Saturday night, triggering 
a large amount of speculation that he may be suffering from health problems that he's unwilling to disclose. Yes, and the rumor is that it's some sort of cognitive issue. Is that the... We don't know. You know, Trump in his cabinet meeting went out of his way to, to try and dispel the belief that there is something wrong with him. But the more Trump talks about something and denies something, you always have the feeling the more strongly he's lying about it. Yes. And of course, if Buttigieg were to be the nominee, I think it's a, it's a very long shot still, but that, he would be a, a, a fresh-faced 37-year-old against an old man who um, doesn't always appear to be in the, gra- in, in the grasp of the facts. He, I think he would completely flummox Trump because... There's there's no hint of illegality that you could pin on Buttigieg. He's only been a mayor. He would essentially be a cipher coming into this race. And Trump would not be able to deploy his usual toolkit. It would be interesting to see how Trump would try to smear him. He's also, I mean, he is a, a married gay man, but he is also not especially woke. I mean, his, he seems actually quite conservative. In some well, he's he's running as a moderate and he served in the military, which mm. he will not hesitate to throw in the face of Trump. He's already attacked Trump for not serving in Vietnam. And how, what does Buttigieg say about impeachment? I mean, do all the candidates just say he must be removed from office or, or do they let the process play out? I mean, there, there are different shades, but I think the, the dominant reaction has been that, that Trump needs to be evicted from office. I think Elizabeth Warren was the first and most vociferous to take that line. And then the others began to adopt it as well. And let's look ahead to the next few days of the hearings. What, what have we got to look forward to or, or dread? Well, I think, I think the hearings will do more damage to, uh, to Trump. You're going to have David Holmes testify, who was in the embassy in Kiev. And he will, he will state publicly that Gordon Sondland was in intimate contact with Donald Trump. And uh, the inference will be that, that Trump was, in fact, the ringleader of this Ukraine conspiracy, far from being removed from it, as he, as he likes to claim. And then Sondland himself, Gordon Sondland, who was the ambassador to the EU and who was dealing with Ukrainian leaders, will be in a pickle because he has previously testified that Trump's relationship to these matters was very tangential. Now he's been flushed out. And there are people in the Trump administration that want to throw him to the wolves. And Sondland will have to make a decision about whether he wants to testify openly or whether he wants to run the risk of perjury. But has he actually been flushed out? Because I mean, I read the transcripts of his, the leaked transcripts, and there were lots of bits blacked out. But the, but the, the, the bit that I thought was where people got mistaken was that he seemed to be saying, yes, there was a quid pro quo on Ukraine corruption. He didn't say it was a directly quid pro quo on uh, finding evidence of Biden's corruption. Uh, I think that's a somewhat forced reading. I mean, when you have David Holmes r- reporting that Sondland told Trump that the Ukrainians will do whatever he wants and they love your ass. There's, and Trump himself has never, in his calls with the Ukrainians, talked about corruption. He's only talked about Biden and Burisma, the two Bs. But I thought on the, in the initial call there, there was a discussion about corruption. 
Not, no. The big Zelensky call? Not, not to my knowledge, no. Well, we'll have to go back through the transcripts and, and discuss it next time. Jacob, please join us as this big story unfolds. Thank you, Freddie. I'm honoured and moved to be back so quickly. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Americano. And I'd like to encourage you all to give us your feedback, positive comments or constructive comments only, please, to podcast at spectator.co.uk and say anything you like there as long as it's reasonably polite. Thank you.